0: I've been able to preach this year, uh, the, fella, the gentleman at the back said he'd put a new battery in here, it's good for four or five hours, no worries, right? So we're good. Um, but when I pastored in Canada, I the, uh, had this, going, this ongoing thing with the sound man that he would check the batteries before I'd put them in my back belt pack here, and he'd say, well, this one's good for 10, this one's 15 minutes, got one here for 25, what, you know, which one do you want? So uh, I'm glad to have a brand new battery in here, but believe me, we won't be here, much, we won't be here that long. But I want to ask you this morning, are you living the dream? How many of you could raise your hand and say, yeah, Pastor, I'm living the dream. Everything's just, wow, it's just smoking hot right now in my life, hey? Come on, are you living the dream? Do you have a dream? Do you even dare to dream today? Do you dare to dream? How many of you are living the dream? You know you're on God's plan, God's destiny, and you're, God's fulfilling His destiny in your life. How many of you believe that you have a God-given destiny? I believe that every believer here, everyone here, if you're a born-again believer, you have a God-given destiny. You have a purpose. God has a plan for your life. And I want to speak to you this morning about living the dream. You know, I saw a t-shirt on a young man a few months ago, and it said, Never Stop Dreaming. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's right on. That's good. Till he walked past me, and when I turned around and saw the back, it was like, you know, stay in bed, never get out of bed kind of thing. And it's like, no, that's not what it's all about. We're called to be dreamers. Amen. We're called to have vision. We're called to have direction. We're called to have hopes and dreams that God has birthed in our hearts and birthed in our spirits. And part of Dana and I being here in Texas is part of a God-given dream that's been fostered in my heart for years and years and years and years. I went to Bible college at CFNI back in the early 90s when my little kids were really, really small. We have two little girls. They were, you know, just babies, really. And God put something in my heart for America back then. And it's been our heart, it's been our goal to, to, to be here. And I'm glad to say that, you know, in, in July, 15th, July 15th of 2018, we received our green cards. Yes, we're Canadians, but we're here and we're legal here. So that's a good thing. Amen? It's good to be here. So I want you to know that you can be confident about your future. How many of you are confident about your future? I want to tell you this morning, I want you to leave here. If there's one thing that you leave here this morning knowing is that what you know about your God is greater than what you don't know about your future. God has promised to never leave you, to never forsake you. He's promised to be your God. He'll be with you through thick and thin. He'll be with you through the hard times, through the good times. What you know about your God is greater than what you don't know about your future. And I want to challenge you to live the dream, to dare to believe that God is going to work in you and do great things in you. Too many people reflect on the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. If only I had followed my dreams. You know, if only I had followed my dreams. You know, one of the ministries that Dana and I had back in Canada was was going to seniors' homes, and we'd talk to these seniors that were now in these seniors' homes, bedridden in seniors' homes, and one of the common things that they would say to me is, I wish I would have taken more chances. I wish I would have done this when I was younger. I wish I would have done that. And, you know, I, I made up my mind. I don't want to live in the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. I don't want to live life like that. I don't want to get to my elderly years when I'm, you know, laying in bed and think, oh, I wish I would have. I wish I could have, shoulda, did, woulda, hada. No. I want to be like the Apostle Paul. I want to fight the good fight. Amen? I want to fight the good fight. And to me, the good fight is the fight that you win. Hey? Now, I used to play a lot of hockey back in Canada. And I've never been on a hockey team where there was a little bit of a fight. Yeah, I mean, it just happens in hockey, right? Anybody, Anybody here watch hockey? You know what I'm talking about? The good fight is the one you win. I never heard anybody come off the ice, you know, bloodied and beat up, and just oh man, that was a good fight. No, that you know, no. You fight the good fight. The fight is the good fight is the one that you win. You want to finish the race and keep the faith. You know, I wasn't the best athlete in school, and and but I wanted to cross the finish line, and I did my best to not be the last one across. I know, I know, we live in a mentality today that just you know it doesn't matter if they are first, second, or third as long as you participate. And yes, we do get, we get, get the opportunity to participate, but I want more than just a participation ribbon. I want to fight the good fight. I want to finish the race. I want to keep the faith. I want my Lord to say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because I believe that He has a plan for me. I believe He has a plan for you. Are you living the dream this morning? Are you living? The, do you even dare to dream? See, Daniel 11 and verse 32, if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to be Reading and quoting from the New King James Version. But Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32 says, The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. How many of you know God this morning? Are you born again? He's placed his spirit within you. If you're a born-again believer, you've come into a personal relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of all heaven and earth, the sea, and all their sources. He has chosen to dwell within you by his spirit. And as a as a, a person who knows, who's come into this intimate fellowship, intimate relationship with God, you know your God, you shall be strong and carry out great exploits. But this isn't just talking about knowing about God. This is talking about knowing God personally having that experiential knowledge of who God is and His character and how He loves you and He cares for you, of God's ability and and, and and God's will and way. And you get that by getting into His Word and you know God, you have that personal relationship with Him through His Son, our Lord and Savior. But it says, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And what and what do you think that means, great exploits? Can you imagine this morning, can you dare to dream this morning doing great great exploits for God? What would that be to you? Tells me that this isn't just you know uh, Doris Day singing "Casey Raw, m- I know I'm, I'm going to date myself, but how many of you remember Doris Day singing "Casey Raw, Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours, you see. Casey Raw, You know, listen. There's far too many people in the church living life like that's that's the that's not the song of the redeemed. That is not the song of the redeemed. Whatever will be, will be. Oh, the future's not ours. No, 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 listen. No. We're to know our God and we're to do great exploits because God, God wants us to, He wants to give birth vision, He wants to birth direction, He wants to birth dreams in our hearts and in our spirits so we can hear and obey the voice of the Holy Ghost. Now listen, to do great exploits, you might have to get out of your comfort zone. You might have to get out of your comfort zone. I can tell you, Dane and I were pretty comfortable in Canada, and and you know, as as a, as a as a country, you know, if I can brag on my homeland a little bit, it, it's a pretty good country. It, you know, I, I I had major surgery there, didn't cost me a dime. Uh, different things going on in life, but but you know, it's it's pretty good. But you know, we could get comfortable and get, and the enemy would like us to get really so comfortable, just lull us to sleep. But then it, you know, God reminded me, and, and over the years, over the years, it just kept stirring in my heart, stirring in my spirit, the gifting and the call of God upon my life. And I don't think as comfort as you might be... Well, that's okay. I'm going I'm to partake of that in a little bit. Thank I'm you, sir. Scared you. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, didn't want ever to get so comfortable that I get to the place where I forsake the gifting and calling of God upon my life. See, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And I want to challenge you people this morning. What great exploits do you see yourself doing? What great exploits could you see yourself doing? If, you know, if, if we believed, if, if we believed what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? If we dared to believe that God was for us, and who who therefore could be against us, if we dared to believe that God is for us, then what great exploits can you imagine yourself doing? Hmm? What great exploits could you imagine yourself doing, daring to believe that God is with you, that God has called you, that God has a purpose, a plan, a reason for your being here? Because I believe He does. I believe God has a plan, a purpose for every born-again believer on the on the planet today. Great exploits. Dare to dream big. I challenge you. I dare you to dream big. Because we're told in scripture that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Amen? He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. So let's just take, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds right now and, and, and just let God invade our minds with his Holy Spirit and, and, and plant gifts. Maybe he's, maybe he's given you dreams and visions years ago and they've been laying dormant. And, you, and, and I don't want you to give up on them. Maybe you've put those dreams aside. Maybe you've brushed them aside because you've got other things. You've got, you've got you know, priorities. You've got circumstances that are beyond your control. And maybe you've got to that place where you've just let those things kind of fall by the wayside. Well, I want to tell you today that the gifting and calling of God is without repentance. And I, I pray that the fresh wind and fire of His Holy Spirit will be birthed and breathed into your spirit. And those gifts, those callings, those dreams, those visions will will take new life. I want you to leave here this morning with a a fresh vision, a fresh direction, a, a, a fresh excitement to do great exploits for God. Because what you do know about your God, regardless of your future, regardless if you're if you're if you're living the dream or if you're living in fear, I don't I don't know. But I want you to know that God is greater. What you do know about your God is greater than what you don't know about your future, and you can face your future fearlessly because God is able. You see, He's placed His Spirit within us, and that's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. What would you dare to imagine? Years and years ago, Dana and I, this is before 9-11, we would pack our two little girls up in our car, and we'd go to a donut shop in Canada called Tim Hortons. I don't, I don't think there's any Tim Hortons down here in America. And we'd buy the, the holes, you know, the little Tim bits. And we'd get, you know, a dozen of those and some hot chocolate, and we'd go to the Calgary International Airport. And back in those days, you know, before 9-11, you could drive right up to the had a, they had a fence around there, but you could drive right up there and, and we, the planes would be landing and taking off. We'd get as close as possible. And we'd sit in the car and we'd eat our Timbits and we'd drink our hot chocolate and we'd, we'd talk with the girls. Where do you think that plane is going? And where do you think that's coming from? And who's on that plane? And we'd, ha- we'd have all this conversation with our little girls and, you know, maybe it's coming from India. Maybe it's coming from Africa. Maybe it's coming from England or maybe it's coming from Texas or maybe it's, you know, all these things. We'd am- dare to imagine where they were coming from. And the girls would sit in the back seat and say, you know, Daddy, Mommy, do you think someday we'll ever fly? Someday, do you think we'll ever fly? So then we, we, we got bold. We went and got our tin bits, and we got our hot chocolate, and we, we actually went into the airport. And we, and we sat on a bench and we watched the people. Where do you think those people are going? Where do you think they're coming from? Oh, look at that person and look at this person. You know, and, and, and we play this game. Where do you think they're from? Where do you think they're going? And, and where do you think they're doing in life? And, and our girls would say, you know, you know Daddy, Mommy, you you know, think someday maybe, maybe we'll get to fly somewhere? Well, our girls are in their 30s now. And I can't begin to tell you the places that our kids have flown and done and the things, places they've been. But it started with giving them a little heart, a little vision, just dropping that seed in their spirits that, you know, we would encourage them. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, you can do that. You can do that. Sure you could. God is big. God is able. You know, if God calls you, you're able to do it because He'll equip you. And and we started to to drop those seeds into our daughters' hearts and into their spirits. And again, I I mean, I can't imagine, I can't begin to tell you all the places that they have gone. And, and, you know, sometimes it just, it it strikes a little bit. I know when our daughter was uh, 18, 19, she she went off to England, to Oxford, by herself. Like, oh my gosh. And, you know, and, and we did a silly thing the night before she flew off. Uh, we, we were in Calgary. We went to a movie called Taken <laughs> where the guy's daughter gets kidnapped. And then in the, that, that next day, she flew off on her, on her own to go to England to attend Oxford University. And we're thinking, oh, what are we doing? you know? So, But hey, I want to tell you this morning that God is able, that He is faithful. The people who know they're gone shall be strong and carry out great exploits. What would you dare to do? What would you dare to dream of if you were living the dream? And I'm going to give you four principles this morning, four principles for living the dream. Okay, are you ready? We're going to get into the Word of God this morning. Four principles for living the dream. Number one, you must see beyond yourself. You must see beyond yourself and turn in your Bibles with you if you've got your Bibles with with you. Turn in to Numbers chapter 13 and verse 33. Numbers 13 and verse 33. Now, a little background here, uh Moses has sent the twelve spies into the promised land. They're they're standing there really, Israel is camped on the borders of Kadesh Barnea. It's on the it's on the border of the promised land. They're camped at the border of Kadesh Barnea. And Moses has sent the twelve spies into the promised land. They've went through the promised land, they've toured through the promised land, they've got the, the fruit of the land, they've come back, they've seen all that's there, they come back. And this is their report. This is what they say. This is how they end up the whole story. In verse 33, There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak come from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Isn't that a sad report? Don't you think that's a sad report? There we saw the giants The descendants of Anak come from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. You see, they didn't see beyond themselves. The God that brought them out of Egypt, the God God that delivered them, the living God, the true God, the one true God who delivered them through many signs and wonders. He brought them through the Red Sea. They, 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 They didn't see beyond themselves. All they saw was these giants. And they said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. The image that they had of themselves was how they thought others thought of them as well. Yet they had spied out the land. They hadn't been seen. They hadn't been caught. They hadn't been detected. So, what made them think that the inhabitants of the promised land saw them as grasshoppers? They thought that because that's what they thought about themselves. See, if you see yourself as a grasshopper, if you think of yourself as lowly and unworthy, if you have a poor self-image of yourself, then you'll automatically think that others think the same way about yourself. I've never met anyone in 30-plus in years of ministry that had a poor self-image and yet thought other people thought that they were great. Well, I've got this poor self-image of myself. I'm unworthy. I can't do anything right. But, you know... Uh, Joe Blow down the street, he just thinks I'm great. No. When you have a poor self-image of yourself, you think everybody else has that same image of yourself as well. says, so there we saw the, the giants in the land, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. See, this is how they th- they thought that the enemy saw them. Well, you know, Henry Ford said it this way, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right writer of Proverbs said, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23.7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And I know, back in the 80s, we had this common phrase about getting the stinking thinking out of our minds. And I you know maybe you've heard that from Pastor Sam or not. I don't know. But really, it's true. We've got to have a proper perspective of who we are in Christ. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We are the body of Christ. We are His chosen people. We're not grasshoppers. The world would like to make us think, and the enemy would like to make us think that we're grasshoppers, that we're unworthy, that we've missed it, that we're, you know, way out in Looney Tooney field over here. No, no, no. But we have the truth. We have the truth. We have what the world needs to hear. You know, it, it, it's, it's like the real deal. It's the real thing. It's like the Coca-Cola of the gospel. It's the real deal. It's the real thing. It's what the world needs today. We have the truth. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're not worthy. Don't let the enemy tell you that you don't have it, what it takes. If God's called you, God's gifted you, and He'll use that gifting and calling. For as He thinks in His heart, so is He. But we fill our lives, you know, with, with, with the lives that we live. We fill them with our thoughts. We fill them with our thoughts. What do you think about yourself today? Do you dare to dream? Do you dare to dream? Do you dare to think of doing great exploits? Or do you think, well, I'm too young? I'm too old. I'm not educated enough, or I'm overly educated, or I'm just not this or that or the right thing. And, And, you know, we're told in Scripture not to compare ourselves among themselves, because that's not wise. Do you dare to dream this morning? I want you to be fully persuaded that what you do know about your God is greater than what you don't know about your future. Dare to live the dream. So, do you imagine yourself succeeding or failing? Do you see yourself as a victor or a a victim? Do you see yourself victorious? Do you believe that God has a plan for your life, that He loves you? Or do you think He's forgotten all about you? You know, Pastor Ron made this statement a a few weeks ago in church, and I'd have to repeat it, and, and, and it really fits so well, because when we think about our Heavenly Father, when we think about... Our God and creator of the universe, the the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all heaven and earth, the sea and all their sources. I mean, He is God. He could be anything He wanted to be. He could do anything He wanted to do. I mean, really, He's God, right? There's no limitations. He could choose to do anything. He could choose to be anyone, choose to be anything. He is God. And yet, what has He chosen? He has chosen to be your Father. He's chosen to be your Father. Isn't that amazing? I Bring that into a personal relationship. Through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, he has chosen to reveal himself to you and, and adopt you into his family and be your father. He's not a grasshopper father. He's not a loser father. You're a son and a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, of the King of kings and most high God. And that, that just blesses my heart to, to realize that the Creator of the universe is my Father. I can dare to dream because He's placed His Spirit within me. And I want to take those limits off of my life and, and serve God faithfully and obediently and do what He's called me to do, believing that God is with me, that He's promised to never leave me, to never forsake me. But i got to take my eyes off myself and put my eyes on my God. See, number one, you've got to see beyond yourself. But number two, second principle, you must see beyond your circumstances. You must see beyond your circumstances. Circumstances will hinder you from seeing God's ability. The enemy wants to use your circumstances to get your eyes focused on, on them and blow the circumstances up so big that you don't see the bigness of your God. You see the bigness of your circumstances. You know, here, here they were. You know, let's read that scripture again, Numbers 13, 33. There we saw the, what? The giants. There we saw the giants. Well, what else was in the land? What else? I mean, they were in that land for 40 days. What, what did they, what else did they see? There was a lot more there than giants. There was a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, they had brought back the fruit and the produce of the land. There were cities. There was vineyards. There was, there was a, a, it was a great, beautiful land for them. But all, you know, they looked at the giants and they were, they got focused on the circumstances. They got focused on their circumstances. See, so the enemy will use your circumstances to defeat you because he wants to blow them up out of proportion. And, and, and some of us have great big circumstances and a wee little God. But we need to get our eyes off of our circumstances on the bigness of our God because God is bigger than any need. God is bigger than any circumstance. God is bigger than anything the enemy could bring against us. And he's well able, well able. The Israelites were well able to overcome them but they had to be focused on God. See, they had the promises of God. They had seen God deliver them, brought them out of Egypt with miracles, signs, and wonders. They had crossed through the Red Sea on dry land. This is the God that they served. And here they were standing on the very border of Kadesh Barnea, looking into the promised land. But they got their eyes on their circumstances. They got their eyes on the giants. Instead of focusing on the bigness of their God, the God that, the same God that delivered them from Egypt was willing to take them into the promised land. This is for free. What giants need to be conquered in your life? Think about it this morning. What giants need to be conquered in your life? Is it a poverty mentality? Is it? guilt, shame, condemnation? Is it sickness, disease, infirmity? Is it—is it lack? Whatever giant it is, see if you don't face it, if you don't conquer it, your children will have to. The next generation will have to. They'll face those giants. I don't want my children facing giants that I should conquer in my life, amen? As a parent, as a father, as a grandfather, I want to conquer those giants. I want them defeated. So that my children go into the, go in free and clear of those giants that I'm facing. You see, we don't look at the bigness of our circumstances. We look to the bigness of our God. David looked at the bigness of his God and he didn't look at that giant, at Goliath. I mean, he saw him there. But what did what did David say? What did David say to 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 the people to the army that were standing there in fear? And there they were in First Samuel seventeen twenty six. You can read about it. He says, "Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would dare defy the armies of the living God?" See, they had their. The, I mean, the Israelite army was standing on on their on their side of the Valley of Elah. And there they were looking at this Goliath, and they were trembling in fear again, looking at a giant. And this little young shepherd boy had to come along and remind them. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now what he says there, what he's saying is he doesn't have covenant. He's not under, circumcision was a sign of the covenant. And here we are, we're Israel. We have a covenant with Almighty God, the creator of all heaven and earth, the sea and all their sources. This Philistine, he doesn't have a covenant with our God. Who does he think he is to defy the armies of the living God? See, David was focused on his God. And you can read about it. You know, we're, we're not going to go there, but you can read about it. He, he spoke to Saul. He said, you know, uh, the, the Lord God defeated, he's defeated the lion and the bear. He's delivered me from the lion and the bear. He'll deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. David was focused, focused on his God and the goodness of his God, the greatness of his God, the power and the ability of his God to deliver him, to set him free, to give him the victory. See, we must see beyond our circumstances and look and focus on the bigness of our God, for He is able. So number one, see beyond yourself. Number two, see beyond your circumstances. And number three, be confident that God is working in your life. You must be fully persuaded, confident that God is working in your life. Philippians 2 and verse 13, Philippians 2 and verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for your for His good pleasure. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for His good pleasure. And the lights came on, you know, when I got a revelation of that Scripture. That, yes, God saved me and God set me free. And I had a dramatic salvation experience When I was twenty one years old, I mean I was just it was it was amazing what happened to me. And I won't go into it too much today, but there was no doubt that I knew that I knew that I knew that I'd been born again, that the Spirit of the Living God had entered me and 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 Jesus had I mean I, I was on a on a telephone call with a with a Christian counselor who led me to the Lord over the telephone and this is the the only way I can explain it is that When, when I received, when I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and, and ask forgiveness of my sin and cleanse me from, from unrighteousness, it's like He was standing beside me. He put His hands on my shoulders and I could literally sense Him step into my body. That's the only way I can explain it. I don't know how else to, to describe it. And I know that doesn't happen to everybody. We walk by faith, right? Not by sight, not by feelings. But that, but that's, God knew that's what I needed. It was a dramatic experience. It was, it was an amazing experience. And I knew that I knew that I knew that God had saved me. But then I, but then, you know, over the years, you know, you kind of, it's kind of like the excitement of buying a new car. You know, when you got that brand new car, you, you, you wash it every week. You clean it, keep it clean every week. Nobody can eat in that car. You don't go through drive through. The pet's not allowed in that car. I mean, it's, it's the, it's, it's brand new. But six months down the road, maybe you're not washing it as much. Maybe you're not cleaning it as much. And then you go through Sonic, and yeah, a little bit of French fry down between the seats. That's okay. You know, and you know how it gets, that newness of it wears off. Well, you know, sometimes that happens to us as Christians. The newness of it wears off. And I knew that I was saved. I knew that God had, had saved me. But I, I didn't know, I didn't understand that, that God was still working in my life. And when I started to when I got a revelation of this scripture in, in Philippians 2:13 for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for, who, for his good pleasure it brought me to that place where I realized that God is still working in my life he didn't just save me and forget about me god is working in me both to will and to do for his good pleasure and I and I got to the place where I was trusting God. You know, Philippians, I, you back up in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So I started to study, you know, the original language. It's He's begun a good work in you, but he continues to do that work all through your life. He's at work in you. And he continues to do that work, not at the day, but until the day. So it's a continual process. Until... Thank you. Oh, there. See, we tricked you. We tricked you. (laughs) All right. And so I had this revelation that, you know, yes, God saved me. God set me free and God delivered me. But he began a good work in me. And that he is faithful to complete that work until the day of Jesus Christ. And so God began something, and he wants to complete it. Because we know that our God is a finisher. Amen? We know that our God is a finisher. And I'm reminded of, of a story of the, the uh, Polish prime minister. Anybody, anybody here from Poland? Anybody have any Polish background? Nobody? Oh, that's Okay. Ignacy Paderewski was the one-time Prime Minister of Poland. But before he was the Prime Minister of Poland, he was a famous concert pianist, virtuoso pianist. Famous pianist, traveled the world, traveled the world. And one evening in his home country, he had a concert scheduled And the auditorium was full of people coming to see their famous man come back to his homeland to put on this concert. There was a young mother who brought her child to the concert, and he had been taking piano lessons and was learning to play the piano, and they were so excited that they were going to get to see Poland's famous concert pianist, Ignacy Paderewski. There's much excitement in the auditorium and they found their seats and, and she began talking with neighbors and people around her in their seats as people do. And But when the lights came down in the auditorium and the spotlight came on the majestic Steinway sitting on the stage she reached around and lo and behold her little boy was missing. But there he was sitting at the Steinway hammering out twinkle, twinkle little star. There was a Gasp among some of the people at the concert and, you know, some chuckles. But before she could retrieve her child from the stage, Paderewski came on the platform. And he walked up behind the child and he knelt down and he whispered in his ear, he said, Don't quit, keep playing. So as a little boy, with one finger, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little star, Paderewski reached around him with his left hand and began playing a counterpart bass. And with his right hand on this side, he began playing a running obligato. And together, this young novice and this master craftsman of the piano, this virtuoso penis, together, they created a masterpiece of twinkle, twinkle little star. Now, you and I may think that all that we've got to offer is twinkle, twinkle little star. But then Jesus, with those nail-scarred hands comes and he wraps his arms around us and he whispers in our ears, don't quit. Keep playing. And together with the creator of the well, heaven and earth, the sea and all their sources, together with the creator of the universe, us and our efforts, as, as small as the minute as they may seem, but when they're coupled together with the Master, he creates the masterpiece. See, you must be fully persuaded, you must be confident, you must be convinced that God is at work in your life, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's begun a good work, and he'll be faithful to complete it. And you may think, well, you know, Pastor Casey, all I can do is offer Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. That's okay. Okay because he knows where each and every one of us are at. But as we do offer that to him, he reaches those nail-scarred hands around us. And together with him, what we offer can become a great masterpiece for his kingdom, for his honor, and for his glory. See, the uh, writer of Hebrews said it this way in Hebrews thirteen six: So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? How many of you know this morning, the Lord is your helper. He saved you. He redeemed you. He's given you a gift, a a calling. He's placed His Spirit within you for a purpose. The Lord is your helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And I know that, uh, well, I know Miss Nancy will know this because I've taught this in the church in Viner. That word helper is baethos. In the original language, it, it speaks of someone who is poised and ready, poised and ready. It gives the image of a sprinter who is in the starting blocks, and, and believe me, I'm not a sprinter. I, I wasn't, you know, if I didn't have skates on, I wasn't an athlete. But this, is, this gives the image of a sprinter who gets in those starting blocks. And you know there's a, there's a, a starter that has a starting pistol? And, and these sprinters, you, you know why there's so many false starts when they, when they have those races, they have to call them back? Because they don't wait for the gun to go off. They anticipate it. They anticipate when it's going to go off because they want to be the first one out of the starting box. They want to be the first one out. And if you wait to hear the, hear the pistol shot, you're, you're left in the dust. Well, this word, Baethos paints the picture of a sprinter who is in the starting blocks, anticipates when the trigger's going to, when it's going to be pulled, and he's gone like that. It says he anticipates. He knows when we're going to call. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my Bethos. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Because he's there when we call. He's there. He's ready. He's ready. He's ready. He's ready. He's right there. He anticipates when that's going to call. He anticipates when we're going to call. See, when you're fully persuaded, when you're confident that God is working in your life, then imagine the possibilities. Dare to live the dream. What can you do? What great exploits could you do? What great exploits would you dare to do? Because you know that God has birthed in you a God-given dream, a God-given desire, a God-given gifting and calling. So number one, you've got to see beyond yourself. Number two, you've got to see beyond your circumstances. Number three, be confident that God is working in your life. And then number four, let God do it his way. Let God do it his way. Now, We've been talking a lot about the Israelites and going into the promised land and how they had this grasshopper mentality, how they saw themselves as grasshoppers and how they believed that the enemy saw them as grasshoppers too. But let's look at Joshua chapter 2. Joshua has taken command, and they're about to attack a city called Jericho. And Joshua's learned a lesson. You know, being one of those... uh, original spies, he's learned a lesson. He didn't send 12 spies to spy on Jericho. He only spent two. He's learned his lesson, right? And he sends two spies into Jericho, and, and these, these spies are spying out the land, and they end up at Rahab's house. And you know the history of Rahab and how she, you know, she hides them up on the roof of her house. But listen, this I find this very interesting. In Joshua chapter 2, we'll read verses 8 through 11. She's put them on the roof of their house, and, and she's going to hide them for the night and then tell them to escape before they can be found out. But in verse 8 of Joshua chapter 2, it says, Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. Does it sound to you like they see them as grasshoppers? Does it sound to you like the inhabitants of Jericho thought this Israelite army was just a bunch of grasshoppers? No. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, listen... That happened 40 years ago. 40 years ago. And she says, as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and above and on earth beneath. For 40 years, the inhabitants of Jericho have been living in fear, trembling, trembling wondering when is this Israelite army going to come and lay a licking on us. We've heard what they've done. We've seen what they've done. We know that their God is the God of all creation. We know that their God is the Lord of heaven and earth. We can't do anything to stop them. This is what they're saying. For 40 years, we've had had this fear. We've lived in fear. We've lived in fear. Our hearts have melted. There's no more courage in us. And yet the Israelites thought... Oh, we're grasshoppers, and they think we're grasshoppers too. Isn't that just like the devil? Tell you, you can't do it. You can't do it, yet God has prepared a place for you. We're told in Scripture, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2.10. So the residents of Jericho have feared this confrontation for over 40 years. Years. So we see these different perspectives. So the spies go back. They get back to Joshua, and, and Joshua gets a plan from God. Now, how many of you are you're familiar with this story, of you know, taking of Jericho? When, you, when we read God's plan, does it really make sense in the natural? you know he gets the directions from god you're going to get the priests with the trumpets and you're going to you know get into this battle array and you're going to march around the city don't say a word then you're going to do it again on day 2 then you're going to do it again on day 3 then you're going to do it again on day 4 then you're going to do it again on day 5 then you're going to do it again and finally you're going to march around it six times. And I can just imagine, you know, the, the, is, what? That's how we're going to take the city? Because, you know, sometimes God's instructions don't always make sense in are natural. But God wants to get the glory. God wants to get the honor. And this city of Jericho, this, this was the first city that they would take. And everything in it belonged to God. It was the first fruits, and so he had to get all the glory. He had to get all the honor. He had to get all the praise for it. We're gonna we'll, we'll read this in Joshua six verses two to five. The Lord said to Joshua, "See, I have given Jericho into your hand. Its king and the mighty man of valor. You shall march around the city, all of you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days." And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. So he gets very specific instructions. And Joshua relays those instructions. In verse in verse uh, 10, he says, Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. Hmm. We're going to walk around this city for six days, and we can't say a word. We can't talk. We're not supposed to mumble. We're not supposed to let any noise proceed from our mouth. And in verse 20 of chapter 6, on that seventh day when they'd gone around it, and they finally heard the, the trumpet sound, it says, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. But can you imagine what was going on? The people in Jericho... They've had this fear. It says they've lost their courage. Rahab told them, we've been, we know that you've been coming. We heard of your story, how you crossed the Red Sea, how the Lord dried up the Red Sea for you. We heard how you defeated Sihon and Og, these kings of the Amorites. We've been fearing your coming and now you're here and here we are within our city. And, and, and can you, can you imagine what it's like for them when, when Joshua leads the army of Israel and the priests are there and the trumpets and they're in battle array and they're marching around the city? Because what they feared for 40 years has finally approached. Now, I imagine the Israelites are scratching their heads thinking, why are we doing this this way? Why are we marching around the city, not even saying a word? But I think also the inhabitants of Jericho are thinking, what's going on? What's going on? They're here, but they're just marching around us. Send somebody up on the wall and and make sure that what's going on, because there must be something else. There's got to be a trick. There's got to be something going on here. And they do that the first day, and then they go back to their camp. And some of the inhabitants of Jericho, maybe they're breathing a sigh of relief. Wow, oh, we we got lucky today. But then day two comes, and here comes the priests and the trumpets and the Israelites marching again around them. Oh no. Here it is again. What we feared for 40 years has finally come upon us. But they're marching around and they're not saying a word. They don't say a word. There's not a, a noise from their mouth that says there's not a word being spoken. And this is, you're talking about millions of people going around the city. In the inhabitants of Jericho, they're probably a little bit confused at this time. They're wondering, what's going on? You ever have somebody tell you, I won't get mad, I'll get even? Ever, ever, you know? I, I don't get mad, don't worry, I won't get mad. You played a trick on me, I won't, I'll just get even. And so the anticipation of them getting even, you just wish they just get it over with. Because that anticipation, that anxiety of when are they going to do this? When are they going to, when, when is it going to happen? Can you imagine what they're thinking? We've heard that this army, they, they crossed, their God is the, is the God of the universe. There's nothing we can do to stop them. And, and he, he parted the Red Sea for them. They destroyed these kings and now they've come here. And, and I wish they'd just get it over with. Here they are marching around us. It's like they're, they're teasing us, like they're, you know, just marching around us. They're being silent. So day one goes by. Day two goes by. Day three goes by. And maybe by day four, maybe the inhabitants of Jericho have gotten a little bit more, I don't know, maybe a little more mustard in themselves. And they're thinking, oh, maybe these guys aren't what we thought they were after all. And they're peeking over the edge of the wall. Huh. They're doing it again. They're just marching around. They're not saying anything. They're not doing anything. And is this the army that we feared? Is this really the people that we feared for four, I mean, here we were trembling and lost and, and all this anxiety and all this fear for 40 years thinking that who, I mean, huh. And I don't know if it was happening today in modern times. If it was modern times, you know what would happen that, you know, by day five or day six, There'd be those people climbing up the top of the wall, taunting them. They'd be throwing beer cans or something down on them, saying, Hey, na, 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 you can't get me. You know, because they think they're safe. You've gotten to this place where they think they're safe. And, and I can imagine that they would be taunting the Israelites as they're marching around. And the Israelites, I mean, they've got a, they've got a word from the Lord. They've got to, they've got to be obedient to the word of the Lord. Sure, they'd like to respond. In the natural, how many of you would say, you know what? I want this done with. I want this over with. But God had given them a specific word, a specific promise. And so I, I think there's this kind of psychological thing going on that the, the the residents of Jericho are thinking, Man, who are these people? Who you know, we were afraid of them, and, and here we are now. We're walled up in our city, they can't come in here. They've been around us six days, they can't come around, they can't come in, they can't do it. But on the seventh day, on the seventh day, When they gave that mighty shout, the walls came down. See, Jesus was brought before his accusers. And the Bible says that he was silent before his accusers as well. He was questioned, but he remained silent. He was accused, but he remained silent. But when he shouted, it is finished. That was a shout of victory, church. When he cried, it is finished, that was a cry of victory. And when the Israelites shouted, when the, when the priests blew their horns and the Israelites shouted, that was a shout of victory. The walls came down. Why? Because they let God do it his way. They were obedient and faithful to the plan of God. You see, we may not know how God's going to do it. We may not know why God does it the way he does. But we must believe that God can and God will. We must see beyond ourselves. We must see beyond our circumstances. We must be confident that God is working in our life. And finally, number four, we've got to let God do it His way. Whether it makes sense to you in the natural or not, whether it makes sense to you, whether you think that this is a good plan or not, I want you to be fully persuaded that God is at work in your life and God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a reason for doing things the way He does it. Let God do it his way. There's no problem he cannot solve. There's no question he cannot answer. There's no disease he cannot heal. There's no demon he cannot cast out. There's no enemy he cannot defeat. No difficulty he cannot overcome. There's no bondage he cannot break. No need he cannot meet. There's no mountain he cannot move. He is God, and he has chosen to dwell within these earthen vessels by his Spirit. You see, that's the amazing thing, that he dwells within us by his Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. If you're a born again believer here today, God has placed his spirit within you. Trust God. Dare to live the dream. Dare to be all God, be all that God has called you to be, to do all that God has called you to do. For his promise that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen. Father, we thank you today that you are faithful to your word, that you are faithful. We thank you, Father God, that you called us to your kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, I pray that everyone here today would walk in the fullness of their God-ordained destiny. I pray, Father God, that you would just re-inspire dreams and vision within each and every one of your gifting, of your calling, of your anointing upon their lives. Father, I pray, Lord God, that they would leave here today knowing that what they know about their God and your faithfulness, what they know about your faithfulness, what they know about your goodness, what they know about your mighty power, that you're bigger than every fear, anything they might not know about their future, that you are bigger than their circumstances. And, Lord, that you are well able to heal, to deliver, to set free. Thank you, Father God, for your goodness to us, the children of men. But also thank you, Father, for giving us a, a plan and a vision to reach the lost. Father, it's all about souls. Empower us, anoint us with your spirit to reach the lost for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. We ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to take the opportunity to, again, I want to thank Pastor Simon Beverly for inviting me here today. But I want to take the opportunity to pray for you. If you would like prayer, if you want God to stir up that dream, stir up that vision, maybe it's laid dormant, maybe you've, never had one, then please let us pray for you. There's nothing greater as a pastor than, than for pastors to see people walk into their God-ordained destiny, to, to use the gifts, the talents, the abilities that God has placed within them, be fruitful in His kingdom. So as we close the service today, uh, is it appropriate to have the worship team come back and, and lead us in worship? And, and if you'd like prayer, please don't hesitate to come. We'd love to pray with you and see God Open up your heart with a dream, a vision, a gifting and a calling and anointing. See beyond yourself. See beyond your circumstances. Trust that God is working in your life. And then let God do it His way. And He will do amazing things. Amen.
1: I'm saying, I exalt thee. time, church.
0: Father we do exalt you we give you glory, honor and praise for you alone are God and besides you there is no other we thank you for the work that you've begun and that you are faithful to complete in our lives and Father as we go our way this morning we go knowing with full confidence and assurance that you go with us for you have promised to never leave us to never forsake us we go with your power and with your anointing to be who you've called us to be to do all you've called us to do In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great Sunday afternoon. Thank you
1: all.